Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello. And welcome back, all our goodly friends, for another episode of Paranormality. Bonjour. Bonjour. How are you feeling today, Josh? Uh, I've got a little bit of a cold, so I might sound a bit nasally. A little bit of a cold? Yeah, just a tiny bit. So, so. if I were to ask you if you would like to spend mid to late January on top of a mountain in Russia, how would you feel about that? Um, <laughs> At the moment, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> At the moment, never. Never. So can you imagine anybody that would actually want to spend January on top of a mountain in Russia? No. No? Not at all. Bit of Siberia not doing it for you? <laughs> no. Do you know someone that would? Uh, well, I actually, I know about a group of, of around 10 students that plan to do exactly that. Oh. I have my notes here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the story of what is known to become the Dyatlov Pass incident. Oh. I'm sure you've probably heard it before. It is a bit of a strange one. Uh, most people will have heard of a bunch of hikers that uh, went hiking through Russia and ended up sort of half naked, wearing each other's clothes and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, it, It's not a very well-known story, but I, I'd certainly heard of it before. And I've done a fair bit of research. You can see my, a lot of notes here. Yeah, whole A4 page. That's good. Yeah, so we've got a, a fair bit to cover. So it was in January 1959. Oh, okay, a few it years ago. Started, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a historical one. Uh, yeah, 10 students from the Ural Polytechnic Institute mm. uh, decided to go hiking. Uh, they were already grade two hikers and... Uh, they got like ski tour experience, you know, when they they walk on their skis and you've oh, seen that in the like Olympic the, events and that. Is it like the tennis rackets on their feet? Uh, no, it's skis on their feet, but they kind of walk oh, at the same time, right. you know. So they 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 know what they're doing in um that kind of uh, environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with my headphones, um, but yeah, uh, when they they planned for about a three week expedition. Mm-hmm. And when they got back, they would be awarded their grade three hikers certificate, 
which is the highest that they could get at that time yeah, top in tier. Russia. Yeah, they, they would have been professional hikers mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, so they planned an expedition to go through the Ural Mountains. And like I said, three-week expedition to get to Ototen Mountain and back. Uh, Ototen Mountain is quite a high peak in the Ural Mountain Range. The Ural Mountain Range is not far from... I think it might even extend into the like the Arctic Circle. So we're like okay. northeastern Russia in like Siberia. This is like seriously snowy conditions, January, you know. Yeah, very, very, very cold. Very cold. These people would have been experienced enough to to know how to deal with that. I mean, the likes of you and I, if we if anyone challenged us to go out to the middle of Russia in January, we would die absolutely certainly. Instantly. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't last much more than 24 hours. I've got um, a question for you. For Are it. there polar bears in this area? No. Okay. Is there normal bears in this area? Probably normal bears, okay. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like black bears and, and that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah... Uh, only well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I'll g- give you the list of their names. Mm-hmm. So the leader of the expedition was Igor Dyatlov. That's what mm-hmm. the the whole incident is named after because he was the lead on the on the expedition. Igor is such a Russian name. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, all of these are quite Russian names. To be classic Russian names. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they've got. I'm going to try not to butcher these names now. Um, Yuri Doroshenko. Mm. Yuri. Krivonoshenko, Zenaida Kolmogorova, Kolmogorova, sorry, sorry if I'm br- ruining this for Russians, uh, Rustam Slobodin, <laughs> that sounds like a soup, <laughs> Lyudmila Dubinina, Alexander Zolotaryov, Nikolai Thibault Brignol, and Alexander Kolivatov and Yuri Yudin. Now, Yuri Yudin turned back not too far into the expedition because he'd got, like, joint problems with his, like, rheumatism and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And he was actually the only surviving member of this party. Oh, because he... Because, away at the yeah, start. because he, 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 yeah, he, he turned away right at the start. I mean, the, the, the ten of them, they took a train to Ivdel, uh, it's quite an, a sort of a, a remote region, a little town, and then they caught a bus to a place called Vizhay, uh, where they actually managed to uh, hitchhike in the back of a lorry to uh, like a logging camp, and that was called the Forty First Settlement, and that was the last civilization that they would see. Okay, so where they went is miles from civilization. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, we're talking okay. wilderness. Out from, that's where they 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 went out into the wilderness and they just never came back. Okay, all right. This sounds like a good mystery. Yeah. So, like I said, the the expedition was meant to be about three weeks. Um, often these things can take a little bit longer. You know, a couple of days here mm. or there. Um, but after four weeks. After hearing none of their families have heard back from them, hadn't even got a phone call from when they reached civilization again. So they raised the alarm mm-hmm. and sent out search parties, mostly like volunteers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, when nobody could find them, the police got involved and then eventually the military got involved and they went out there. And on the 26th of February, 
1959, they discovered a ruined camp. Mm-hmm. Like, the tent had been slashed open from the inside out, mm. and nine sets of footprints led away from the tent down the mountain towards, like, a forest, okay. uh, where they were obviously... Trying, trying to, I don't know what they were trying to do, to be honest. <laughs> Just get away from wherever they were. Yeah, exactly. They were trying to get away from something. Um, but uh, we, we don't know what. Um, there's over 75 theories. 75? Over 75 theories have been brought up by various people on what could have happened to them. Everything ranging from the Yeti... To aliens. You know I'm a fan of a Yeti. Well, the Yeti, the Yeti could be plausible, mm-hmm. if you believe in the Yeti. I do. <laughs> uh, the only thing is, there was only nine sets of footprints. Uh, so no it, Yeti It prints. hadn't been snowing on the night that they pitched mm. camp, so the footprints were fresh. If a Yeti had been about, they would have seen... Another set of footprints, surely. Yeah. And they would have been a lot bigger, because it's Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, probably not the Yeti. Aliens, again, get kind of blamed for everything. Now, actually, yeah, there were, around the time of this disappearance, but not on the actual 26th of February, but around about the 20th of February, there were reports of uh, flashing lights in the skies in the region. Mm-hmm. Um, just odd light light effects in the sky um so that is one reason why aliens have been sort of reported in this instance yeah yeah uh but i don't know there's a thin tether on that one isn't there i mean there's only so much you can use the alien excuse isn't it yeah i think this is a much deeper mystery than what aliens can explain in all honesty um because like I say, nine sets of footprints leading away from a tent that's been slashed open from the inside. We don't know why. Some of the footprints uh, were shoe footprints or boot hiking boots. Mm-hmm. Some of them looked like these people were just wearing socks. In and the s- cold. Yeah, in the cold. In, yeah, minus like 20 degrees Celsius. Yeah. Or 30 degrees Celsius, minus 30. I mean, this place can get really cold. I mean, this is close to the coldest place on Earth, which gets down to, like, minus 70. We're talking, like, frostbite kind of weather. Yeah, frostbite would set in very quickly. Some of footprints didn't even have socks. They were barefoot. Hmm. Why anybody would want to walk out in Siberia in the middle of the night in January in bare feet... Yeah. We we can't even imagine. That's a mystery in itself. It is. I mean, they must have been terrified of something. Yeah. But... They wanted to get out there quick. But the footprints didn't necessarily look like they were running away from the tent. They were, they were just walking. Hmm. Which is, again, very strange. I mean, why would you cut open your tent, head out into the wilderness with no shoes on, at a dawdling pace? Yeah. yeah. It's very strange. Very, very strange. Anyway, uh, like I say, the military did conduct a search and they followed the footprints and they found two of the uh, the explorers, Yuri Doroshenko and Yuri Krivonoshenko. Mm. They were found, they'd actually made themselves a little campfire n- next to the woods. Uh, they, were, they were only half-dressed 
They're pretty much in their underwear, really, really badly frostbitten, hands yeah. and feet, you know, really bad state. And in fact, um, Krivonoshenko had even bitten off some of his own knuckles. Hmm. Or, or, or maybe Doroshenko had bitten it off, maybe they had a fight, I don't know. But Krivonoshenko was missing some of his own actual knuckles. I mean, how grim is that? And that wasn't frostbite. That's uh, not frostbite. Maybe severe hunger. Who knows? Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe, they, like I say, they'd got in a fight or something like that. But they were found together next to a campfire, half-dressed in mm-hmm. really bad way. You know, their, their hands and feet were blackened with frostbite. You know, really bad. Um, and that was all they found on their first search mission. Just okay. those two bodies. So we've still got seven missing. Yeah. The one guy obviously made it back to civilization, uh, Yuri Yudin. Mm-hmm. Um, so so he that's was... three out of the ten accounted for. Yeah. Including that guy. Yeah. Now, the rest of the, well, well, three more were found, but not until April, like three months later. Wow. Okay. Um, so uh, Igor Dyatlov. Was then found three months later. And did you say he was the lead? He was the lead, the lead, the, the lead hiker. Yeah, uh, Zenaida Kolmogorova. I've ruined that name, I know. And Rustam Slobodin. They were <laughs> all found together, the three of them. Right. And it, from the way they were uh, positioned, it looked like that they they turned back from the forest and started climbing back up the mountain towards the the tent again. Uh, which is mm-hmm. possibly why they weren't found earlier, because they'd sort of circumnavigated the route, and um, yeah, they were they were on their way back. Um, Zenaida, uh, Zenaida, I'm just going to call her Zenaida. Uh, she had like an injured torso mm-hmm. on her. Uh, I can't remember now. I didn't note it down whether it was the left or right side, but she'd got a massive bruise all down her torso that looked like it'd been caused by some kind of cylindrical object. C- cylinder kind of thing. Like a cylindrical object. Oh. Yeah, like, a, I don't know, maybe a baseball bat or, you know, or yeah, a can yeah. of oxygen, perhaps. I don't I don't know. That's the thing. There, there was no actual cylindrical object found, but that was the appearance of the bruise mm. that was discovered in the autopsy. Uh, Rustam Slobodin. Oh, that's the best name out of the bunch. Yeah. It makes me smile. He actually had a fractured skull. Oh, Okay. Uh, but Igor Dyatlov, he, he didn't seem to have any injuries other than just like the frostbite, and because I mean, it was it, it was originally thought that these people just just died of hypothermia, mm. but they've right. all got very different injuries. Uh, well, it's only at this point Zenaida Kolmogorova, obviously perfectly pronounced that time. Uh, yeah. She was the only one that. Well, you well know she wasn't because uh, she had the, the torso, but yeah, the uh, Rustam Slobodin had a fractured skull. Mm. Eagle was the only one that didn't seem to have an actual physical injury, just like the for- frostbite and you know that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, it, it was very much a, an open shut case that these people just, for some reason, were scared out of their tent, or they heard something or saw something, and they just like you know legged it and then. Mm died of hypothermia like i say these, these, these are very very cold conditions yeah um and so it wasn't really it wasn't really classified as a mystery 
back then because I mean hikers they go missing all the time they turn up dead mm. hypothermia you know it, it's quite a common thing but well, not common yeah. but you know it happens more than we'd like it to yeah particularly in places like Russia it's like we were talking the other day about Everest still having bodies on top of there and things so, oh yeah so. when we were at work the other yeah. day yeah yeah because yeah once you get so high up Everest no one's got the energy to carry you back down if you mm-hmm. if you die so you're up there forever encapsulated in time yeah okay so it wasn't until May that the rest of the bodies were found. So this is another month later. Yeah, another month month or so later, yeah. Um, so Lyudmila Dubinina, uh, Alexander Zolotaryov, Nikolai Thibaut-Brignon, Alexander Kolovatov, they were all found in separate places at the bottom of a ravine past the forest and like they weren't sure if they'd actually fallen into the ravine but they must have all fallen into it in at separate times in separate separate ways because they were spread out over quite a wide area oh so they weren't together no they they weren't together not like the others these ones had kind of like maybe wandered off on their own and just got lost and so were they at the bottom of the same ravine but spread out yeah but spread out yeah all over the place sort of thing now <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Dubonina, she had her foot wrapped in a pair of trousers. Not her trousers. Right. The trousers belonged to Yuri Krivonoshenko, the guy who bit, up his, bit off his own knuckles right. and was found like three months earlier. Uh huh. So yeah, when they found the him, woods. did he have no pants on? He didn't have any. No, he didn't have any trousers. He didn't. I think he was practically naked, just in his underwear. Wow. Okay. Right. Him and, and Yuri Doroshenko, they were both found pretty much naked, just like in their underwear. They might. I don't think they were. They might have been the footprints that didn't have any shoes or socks on. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexander Zolotaryov was wearing the hat and coat of. Uh, Lyudmila Dabanina. Mm. So, for some reason, she'd got Kravonoshenko's trousers wrapped around her foot, but she'd given her hat and coat, a hat and coat, to Zolotaryov. So, they've swapped clothes. It seemed to have done, yeah. Hmm. Um, not a lot is said about uh, Nikolai, um, but Alexander Kolovatov, uh, he had a very bad head wound uh, behind his ear, I believe it was. Uh, and a very twisted, oddly twisted neck, like he'd been hit really hard around the back of the neck and, you know, or or possibly that might have happened in the fall down the ravine if that's what actually happened to them. Obviously, they yeah. were found alone. And he, weirdly, had no eyebrows. <laughs> right. This just, just keeps opening up more worms and more worms. It, it's, it's Yeah. We've all, you've right. already said like six, seven different mysteries. Yeah, I mean, well, is it a mystery? A bunch of students go on a hike and one ends up with no eyebrows. Is that really a mystery? I think good drinking game. But right, it's reported that they didn't actually take any alcohol with them, other than like the rubbing alcohol that was in their first aid kit. So there's no way that they all had a party, got drunk, and then yeah. decided that Kol- Kolovatov was to lose his eyebrows. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I have been to a party where my mate Dan shaved off one eyebrow, and I think that, that was worse than both. Exactly, yeah, that's so. normally what happens, isn't it? It's just the one eyebrow. When yeah. you get drunk, someone's got to lose I'm one sure eyebrow. I'm sure it was him, but yeah, it looked a lot worse than having both. 
shaving off. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's no report that he had no eyebrows when he left on the expedition. Why would you shave off your eyebrows before you le- head off into the wilderness yeah. inside Siberia? Like an extra layer of warmth. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not going to give you a lot of warmth, is it, eyebrows? But it's doing something. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that that those are the conditions that they were all found in. Very strange conditions. Mm. Yeah. Um, so one of the first things that the government did was... Right. Is this to find out what happened to them all? Sort of. The first finger-pointing, if you like, mm-hmm. they pointed to the local uh, tribe, like a, a, a nomadic tribe that just herds reindeer and stuff. They're called the Mansi. Are they like Inuits? Yeah, sort of yeah. like that. But they're they're very peaceful people, um... You know, they've got no yeah. reason to go around attacking people. It was wondered whether these people had, had, had wandered into a sacred place to the Mansi, yeah. which is why the Mansi went wild and killed them. But, and here's the thing. Uh, hang on, I've got to find... But I've never heard of an angry right. Inuit. No, exactly. And the sacred place would not have been where they were found because the Mansi called the, the peak that they were found on the Colat Siakal. Ooh, you d- you done well pronouncing that one. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you have any idea what that translates as? No, I don't even want to guess. Can you take a guess? Say it again for take me. Take <laughs> Colat Siakl. Oh, Mate, you're going to love this. Is it? Oh, it's no, definitely no. not a sacred place. Is it something to do with Star Wars? It literally <laughs> translates as Death Mountain. Oh, Death Mountain. So the Mansi, I mean, the, the, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm, I'm theorising, they didn't kill the people that, you know, this group of expedition, but they know yeah. that that mountain is a bad place to go and they avoid it. That's got a ring to it, Death Mountain. <laughs> it's like Lord of the Rings style kind of thing, isn't it? Oh, Mount Mountain. Doom and that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so it's unlikely that the Mansi would have gone there to, yeah. you know, attack them or anything. When they literally call the place Death Mountain, they don't want to go near the place. <laughs> I can't see many people lining apparently up. good reason to avoid the place, yeah. you know? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's don't a want to go brain. down to uh, Death Mountain down there now, do you? Yeah. No, exactly. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's, obviously there's other theories. Uh, the, the, the government wanted it heavily to be blamed on avalanches. Okay. Now, something I haven't thought of there. Avalanche. An it? avalanche. I mean, that, that is what kills a lot of people right, in the wilderness, particularly snowy climates. Obviously, you don't get avalanches anywhere else. But um, it, 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 these were experienced hikers. They're grade two hikers. They're going for their final grade. They're not going to pitch camp in an avalanche zone. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, they knew what they were doing. They've pitched it on as level ground as they could find. And also, if they were to cause an avalanche, that avalanche would have happened immediately. As soon as they started pitching tents, digging into snow and stuff like that, that would have unsettled the, the snowbank and it would have caused the avalanche before they even got mm. chance to pitch the tent. So yeah, yeah. their tent would have been pitched for several hours. You know, they probably would have had dinner started falling asleep before whatever it was happened frightened them. And were they on quite a flat plane? A fairly, as as flat as you can get, you know, halfway up a mountain. Oh, okay. 
But like you said, they're experienced. So they're they're gonna... experienced. They knew where to pitch a tent. They weren't going to pitch it in a danger zone for avalanches. Mm. As, well, as, as far as we can we can guess. Um, um, but another theory came out that. Um, well, no. Let's get, let's 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 just. Let's step on a little bit, right? So, so they've been found. They've been the bodies have been reclaimed, taken to the local mortuary. Yeah. Where suddenly the KGB showed up. Right. Okay. The KGB showed up and they ordered in a massive barrel of alcohol. I don't know what that was for. Maybe some kind of embalming purposes or something like that. But the KGB showed up and they wanted everything silenced. Hmm. Now, there's a, a guy called Lev Ivanov who was uh, the prosecutor on the case. Um, he was looking into it and forming theories about what could have happened, and the KGB just silenced him completely. He he suddenly took no more uh, uh, notice okay. of it. He filed no more reports or anything, and it was a great many years. It wasn't until uh, 1990 that he actually came out and said, I've been silenced by my superiors. They wouldn't let me talk about 1990? it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you're talking almost like 30 years. 30, 30 years. Wow. Okay. 30 years. He stayed silent on it. I've got you. That's a long time. And it was him. I think it was him that actually, uh, uh, provided the, uh, theory that it could have been due to parachute bombs that the military were testing in the area on the night of the disaster, which might even explain the lights in the sky that were blamed on aliens. Oh, so that, has it been proven that they definitely let off bombs that night, or is it just speculation? I, I, at this point, I'd say speculation. I don't know for absolute certain, but that is one of the theories that is out there. Okay, yeah, yeah. It would explain injuries to, you know like the torso injury and head injuries and stuff like that um possibly not the biting off your knuckle um but it would also explain the fact that a lot of their clothes had traces of radiation on them that mm. was above normal background radiation so when the military went out there and found these bodies apparently they took geiger counters with them and they were Actually, scanning the area for radiation. High levels. And there was higher, yeah, raised levels of radiation. But the only thing that's confusing me is why they were wearing each other's clothes or had items. Exactly. This is this is the thing. It doesn't explain why they would have swapped clothes and why one of the a pair of trousers would be wrapped around a foot that didn't yeah. necessarily appear to be injured in specifically. Yeah, unless certainly wouldn't explain a lack of eyebrows. Yeah, see, that's another thing. I mean, just then I was thinking with the clothes, if something terrified them and they had to go out in a hurry and it's dark, you might pick someone else's clothes instead of your own. And But then you said trousers were, like, wrapped round someone's legs. Yeah, not on foot, yeah. Yeah, she wasn't wearing them. She just wrapped them around. Yeah, this is odd. It's, 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 it's so strange, isn't it? Mm. Um. But yeah, I mean, uh, the, I mean, the case was closed within weeks of them finding, and and the, uh, I think the, uh, the 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 government just put it down. Or the, 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 it was the official uh, mortuary result was just hypothermia, mm. and 
it stayed that way until 2019. <gasps> That's kind of recent. Yeah, very recent, where the government reopened the case, but they would only accept um, theories that were related to avalanches <sighs> and possibly yeah. hurricane-force winds. So they're not accepting anything to do with nope. government. Didn't want bombs. to know any of it. Bombs, nothing like that. Aliens, Bigfoot, n- nothing. They wouldn't wouldn't accept. Wouldn't explore any other possibilities other than avalanches and hurricane force winds. Mm. Now, there is a phenomenon called a catabatic wind. I've studied this in my drone flying. Right. Uh, which is where a wind that goes over the top of the peak of a mountain it gets accelerated to hurricane force. Like levels oh. as it comes down the slope. Is that like similar to people in squirrel suits and stuff when they're jumping off? You know. Oh, they, yeah, yeah. Um, and they just seem to pick up speed real quick as they're going down mountains. Well, what it's done? I don't know about people in um, wingsuits, um, but people have um, set uh, radio-controlled aeroplane uh, speed records. Okay. using catabatic winds because they just literally loop over and over and over the peak mm-hmm. of a mountain and use that wind as it crests that peak to catch more and more speed that yeah. they wouldn't be able to get otherwise. This is why I've studied catabatic wind anyway. But that yeah. that can produce winds that are up to hurricane force, which is what the government were trying to say. But I'm thinking that nine experienced hikers wouldn't pitch camp somewhere where they're likely to be badly affected by hurricane force winds. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got this kind of experience. Yeah. Um, there is another theory that these kind of winds can produce very low resonant uh, noises that can produce like hallucinations and panic effects in people. Okay. No, I don't know. That's that's still to me a flimsy theory. Yeah, it seems a bit far fetched that one, and it also doesn't explain the radiation. No, exactly. It's like when you when you try and think of a theory that's plausible, you then go, "Oh yeah, but what about this bit? What what about the eyebrows? What about the clothes?" And then it's it's like a puzzle of mysteries. Yeah, oh, it's fascinating. So, like I say, I mean this 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 whole story starts out as a mystery. It then kind of turns into a conspiracy theory. Mm. Yeah. And then that doesn't really explain itself, and you're back to a complete mystery again. I mean, the, mm. the eyebrows, the people, the swapped clothes, the the, the injuries. I mean, what yeah. what the hell happened? Uh, no one can really explain it. There yeah. was, I know, there was a couple of Swedes that um, using new um, computer software. Uh, I think it was actually designed for a Disney film, you know, the, the film Frozen. Oh yeah, all, 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 all like they they had to. Uh, develop advanced snow effects for that so they wrote their own program and these two scientist guys uh used that program and decided that it was maybe possible for it to be an avalanche based on their new theory but again like radiation and all that sort of thing the fact that these are experienced climbers they wouldn't have pitched camp in an avalanche a potential avalanche zone yeah i to be honest i want to just discount that also an avalanche Someone's not just going to randomly bite their knuckles off and take their clothes off. And no. An avalanche is going to take your eyebrows off. No. Well, I assume it wouldn't, anyway. So, I mean, that is that is pretty much it, really. I don't, I don't, I don't have an explanation for you. I've got a question for you. So, yeah, fire away. The other thing that's confused me is, like, in certain cold climates, 
bodies are preserved. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing the area they were in was so cold that it was causing frostbite, whereas in other cold cases where there's been frozen bodies, it hasn't been that level of cold. Because I'm just confused as to how they had frostbite. But then, you know, because I listen to a few crime podcasts and there's somewhere there's cold conditions and it literally just pervert, preserves. Oh, the yeah, the, these were preserved. It, it stops the process of like rigor mortis. The only like other that. injuries that um, I don't think I wrote it down. I can't remember which one it is. Was it one of the uh, two of the last four mm-hmm. uh, were found uh, with missing eyes? Okay. And I think it was uh, Lyudmila Dabanina uh, actually had not only her own, her eyes were missing, but also her tongue was missing and part of her lips. Now, this we mm. we could put down to wildlife. Birds often yeah. go for, for um, Soft eyes, particularly. Mm. We've seen on the farm that we work on, you know. That's the first thing they go for. first thing that they go for is eyes. Uh, but for a tongue to go missing, yeah, is very strange. I mean, it's, it's possible down to wildlife, maybe wolves or bears. But you'd have thought that wolves or bears or anything a major wildlife would would pr- pretty much devour the entire body. Yeah, or they'd take, take more, take all the fatty bits at least. Mm. Man, that's good. It's a good theory. It's, it's, it's I mean, it's just very strange. Yeah, but I like stuff that's strange. Um, and kind of unexplained. It's definitely unexplained because I don't, I don't have a, a solid theory that I can present and say, I believe this is what it is. I just don't yeah. know. There's so much. I'm not convinced by an avalanche at all. I'm not. I don't know. And like you say, it's, it's weird because it's almost like in my mind, two of those theories together would make sense. Like, so for example, my, when, as you were telling the story, my brain was going, or maybe they did have, some secret alcohol, got drunk, the eyebrows went, they swapped some clothes, they went to bed, and then an avalanche hit. And the, and you could kind of almost piece a few things together, but then it it just doesn't work. There's too many the things thi- the for thing that is, to happen. If, if they were actually hit by an avalanche, that tent would have been wiped out, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And it also doesn't I mean, explain... It kind of might, might explain why they had to cut themselves out from the inside. But I would imagine that... Because there are pictures of the of the actual campsite online. And you can see the tent. And, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, you know, fully erect anymore. It's just a piece of canvas on the ground. Mm. But it doesn't look like snow has completely engulfed it, which you'd imagine would happen if it was an... Av- or, you know, the people who found the place, the tent... Yeah. If it was an obvious avalanche, there was someone who would have gone, well, it looks like an avalanche. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously an avalanche. You know, the snow's come over the top of the freaking tent and hit them all. And, yeah, you can imagine that would cause some injuries. But I just don't but think that's the, the avalanche, to me, the only thing the avalanche explains would be maybe why they're all separate. Because an avalanche can just take you for a while and maybe their bodies ended up in different locations. That's the only thing an avalanche would explain if, to me. If it was an avalanche that took them like a... In a wave of snow, yeah. you mean, and actually transported them down mm. the hill, but then they wouldn't have walked out of the tent. Oh yeah, yeah. So you could, you, so you could still clearly see the footprints. Yeah. So. Oh man. I mean, it hadn't even been snowing. It hadn't covered the footprints with fresh snow. Mm. And there was only nine sets of footprints, so there was definitely not a yeti. Definitely no yeti. 
Oh, man. Well, this is going to be quite it's, high on the paranormal, paranormal I mean, it, scale for me. I, I, I'd say it's definitely high on the paranormality scale. I don't want to go as high as nine because I think there are plenty of explanations that maybe you could piece yeah. together to find some kind of tangible explanation. <laughs> I just don't know what that is. Yeah, it's just such a crazy story. You just can't even think which theory is more likely to be because they're all kind in a way they're all kind of as ridiculous as each other yeah oh, so um, table. i mean as far as the paranormality scale i'm gonna have to go an eight for this you're going eight yeah i might I, even give it an eight point two I, I was thinking about seven seven point five uh-huh so i'm gonna go yeah i'm gonna go seven point five if I give it an 8.2, what's that balance it out? Uh, You're better at math. <laughs> 7.9, is it? I would say 7. Uh, 7.8. All right, yeah. Go about 7.8. Yeah, I'm happy with that. 7.8. I mean, that that's a pretty high rating, isn't yeah. it? For what could be such an explainable story, but it's got so many mis- mm. mysterious circumstances in there. And the KGB as well, silence them. KGB, I mean, what do you... you... That would suggest experiments, wouldn't it? Radiation? But but then there's no other footprints. I've got it, no. The KGB borrowed a UFO and hovered over them. (laughs) And then... Sent down a Yeti. (laughs) Made the Yeti tell them to swap clothes. (laughs) And then the Yeti got frustrated and broke one of their necks. So <laughs> right, okay. That's the only way. Just smacked them around the torso with their spare oxygen can. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I've got no idea on that one. That's a good story, though. Well done for that one. Yeah, thank you. I like that one. It's very, yeah, it's very interesting. I heard of it, like, a few years ago, and when we formed the podcast, you know, it was one of the first things that I put on the list. Yeah, yeah. The stories that I wanted to cover, and obviously we got loads of, stories on that list but this one has always just mystified me and this last couple of days as i've been researching it it just it just boggles my mind yeah i cannot even fathom what drove them people to cut their way out of a tent and walk down Mm -hmm. a mountain in bare feet and in their underwear that is in such horrific conditions yeah What's this story called, if people wanted to look at more into uh, it? The Dyatlov Pass incident. Dyatlov Pass. Yeah, because when you said it, I briefly heard about it, but when you started going into detail, I realised, again, I'd got something completely wrong. Yeah, because you said, I think, earlier that you thought it was in Antarctica or something. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was a bunch of explorers in Antarctica looking for penguins. And, and they that... all took their clothes off and swapped. <laughs> and... <laughs> yeah, so I got it completely wrong. But it's very, very interesting. Yeah. So... Maybe people can look it up and think of a theory yeah, that they think. Right in. If you come up with a theory that you think is more plausible than ours, well, not that we've actually come up with a theory. Yeah, we have. KGB, hiding you. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, if, if anybody out there has a, a plausible theory that they want to send in to us for review, go ahead. Paranormality.uk at gmail.com. Uh, or even if you've got your own uh, spooky story. Let us know. Yeah, we, send them we in. Always love to hear them, and if 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 it's a good story, and we think we we can fill up some time with it, we'll we'll let you know, and we'll invite you on, and we'll do an interview like we did my, my friend uh, if you, just a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, and with that, I think we should wrap up. Yeah, sounds good to me, mate. And uh, so, yeah, 
And I would say good night to you, my goodly friend. <laughs> good night, my goodly friend. <laughs> and uh, good night to all our goodly friends out there. And uh, ta-ta. Ta-ta. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.